as we continue to talk about the nativity players, this morning we're going to focus on the Magi and King Herod. We don't talk about Herod much. It's a difficult topic to be sure. And, and the Magi over the years have, uh, we've misrepresented them, uh, mis- we've messed up the story a little bit. Uh, so we're going to invite the Spirit of God to uh, guide us through the Scripture to get to an understanding of what it actually says. And, and I'm not going to say anything that's new, I'm sure. But let's make sure of one thing. Our goal is not to get more information. Our goal is not to get correct information. Now, we want to get more information, and we want to get correct information, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to be changed by the Word of God. We want to be doers of the Word, not just hearers. One of the challenges that those of us who have been around church world for a long time is that we actually get a bit arrogant, a bit self-satisfied about our Bible knowledge. And that's never the goal of the Scripture. So let's invite the Spirit of God to speak to us. Let's uh, invite the Spirit of God to give us teachable hearts so that we will be able to allow ourselves to be impacted by God's Word, to be more like Jesus as we spend our time together. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for its clarity, for its reliability. You have spoken to us, Lord, and you have chosen to uh, give it to us in in a form that we can memorize, meditate upon, study, read, analyze. We are grateful. We are blessed by that. Lord, you alone are worthy of our worship. You alone are are worthy to be adored. You are the true and the living God. We, Father, are the undeserving recipients of your grace and mercy. We enter into your presence solely on the basis of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Grateful, Father, for your pursuing us and providing for us. Lord, I ask that your Spirit would would be present uh, in a dynamic, powerful way. I pray that that you would keep me from saying anything that is incorrect or applying the, the passage that is inappropriate. Help us to remember what you want us to remember. Lord, help us to become more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. We've already had the, uh, the passage read for us this morning. And again, it's a familiar passage that we often read at this time of the year. Uh, and it's, it's right that we do that. But let's ask some questions and let the Scripture give us the answer. Who were the Magi? Who were the wise men? Well, according to verse 2, they came to, uh, to find out and to worship the, the 
the king of the Jews, meaning that it's not our king, it's somebody else's king. So they were not Jews. They were Gentiles. God has always wanted to include the world. Jesus died for all of us. These were a group of selected individuals. They were intellectuals. We are introduced to them in Daniel. Daniel chapter 1-4, Daniel 2-14, Daniel 2-48. Ultimately, Daniel became the head, the the, the chief, the, uh, I don't know, big kahuna of the wise men. And he was incredibly influential. We'll come back to him in a moment. They originated somewhere east of Jerusalem, and if we understand geography and history of the day, it was over where the Tagus and Euphrates River was, and uh, they um, probably modern-day Iraq. They're called astrologists in Daniel. Astrology is that uh, study of the supposed influence of planets and stars on the course of human affairs. That would be the horoscope. Just for free, don't read the horoscope. Don't read the horoscope. It's not helpful. They are also astronomers. I mean, they, they studied the actual heavenly bodies, uh, the, the, the universe beyond our immediate atmosphere, celestial bodies. They were intellectuals. They were wise men. Where did they come? When did they come? Well, they came sometime after the birth of Jesus. In verse 11, we're told that uh, they went to a house, not a stable. They went to a child, not a baby. In verse 16, when Herod does his uh, incredibly vicious, uh, self-centered atrocity of ordering uh, the infant, the two-year-old and under boys, killed, we call it the slaying of the innocents, means that Jesus could have been as old as two during this time. What was the store? Star. Uh, well, it was clearly not like any celestial body ever, including today. There's been lots of theories about it, uh, but, but what we know is how it acted, what it did. It went before them in verse 9. It stood over the house in verse 9. Apparently, it was seen only by the Magi, or at least the other ones that paid attention to it in verses 2 and 10. Uh, so, therefore, it was a supernatural sign created by God to accomplish a specific purpose. That's our God. He can do that when He wants to. It would be, in, it would be uh, detracting from the... the, the glory and power of God to try to figure out some natural phenomena. And in any natural phenomena that we know of does not fit this behavior. So what actually happened? They saw a star and they followed it. And in this process, they connected the star to Israel, to the king of the Jews. How did they make that connection? Why did they, seeing this abnormal celestial body, how did they get to seeing that, that this has to do with the birth of the king of the Jews? We're not told how that happened. Let me give you a theory 
that makes sense based upon the totality of Scripture. Remember that Daniel, a few centuries before, was the most influential of the wise men. And Daniel was a man of incredible integrity. No one could find anything wrong with him. Imagine that. And so he, was, he, he, he had a lasting impression on people. And through different monarchies, he was the head wise man. So he left his mark on that group of individuals. Probably got into their traditions, maybe contributed to their literature. And so they had studied, and, and again, being from a different country, a different faith system, uh, how did they connect it to Israel? Probably, can't say for certain, probably because of the influence of Daniel. Oh, to have a legacy like that, right? Wouldn't that be something? Uh, so they connect this, this star to the birth of the king of the Jews. They stopped in Jerusalem. They asked uh, Herod uh, for help, and uh, he had to get people to, who actually knew the Scriptures uh, to find out the prophetic uh, birthplace of Jesus, which would, of the Messiah, which would be Bethlehem. They followed the star. They found the Christ child. They worshiped and gave gifts, and then they went back a different way. All things you already know. But why did they come? We're told ex exactly why they came, uh, and then we can also understand a different reason, additional reason as well. In verse 2, they told us why. We, we saw the star in the east and have come to worship him. In verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. They came to worship does that mean that they were believers? Not necessarily. They may have been God-fearers. Who knows? But, but they recognized the supernatural. They recognized that God was at work, and this was a, a unique person. And they gave that person, Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the credit he was due. They worshiped him. In this portion of Scripture, in Matthew 2, there's at least uh, four fulfillments of prophecy, and that's a wonderful study, but we don't have time for that. Well, then the last question I want to ask and give at least a partial answer uh, is, why include the account of Herod? What's that all about? Remember that when the Bible, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, includes something, it's not window dressing. It's not by accident. It's not, oh, by the way, it's important. And so we are justified in asking the question, like, what can we learn from this atrocity initiated and occurred because of Herod's insecurity and self-centeredness? What do, we, what do we learn about that? Well, let me give you two or three possibilities. It illustrates God's foreknowledge and man's free will. It, 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 it helps us to recognize that in the Scripture, 
the sovereignty of God and the free will of man are together. It's, it's, it, that those two truths, and the word we use is that there are antinomies, meaning that they seem to be contradictory, uh, the Scripture just presents them without apology and without explanation. God knew this was going to happen. And we know that because of the wise men coming and how they addressed it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But so we have this truth. And so we need to be aware of that truth. This is not the time or place to talk about that. If I'm here long enough, we probably would, would unwrap that a little bit further. But that's one thing. This is just an illustration of that, of that biblical teaching that sometimes we, we don't like. It's also, I believe, a demonstration of how to deal with somebody like Herod. And you say, what? I don't have anybody like Herod in my life. Well, maybe you do. Uh, and let's, let's, let's look at that. Uh, write this verse down, uh, Proverbs 122. Early in the book of Proverbs, a book written with the express declared purpose of helping us to become wise. Wisdom is the, is the accumulation and the use of knowledge in a healthy, correct way. So you want to be a wise person? Study the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, we have this teaching. It's in the form of a question. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? There are people that God understands as simple people. How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? There are people that God considers to be scoffers. And then it says, and if we were to make the full sentence, how long will fools hate knowledge? So there's a classification of people called fools. Here's the deal. All of us are sinful fallen people, every single one of us. And we have incredible similarities. We desperately need a Savior. We are without hope, without Jesus. Jesus died for us. Jesus provided what we need to be reconciled to God, to, be, to move from God's enemy to God's friend. We're all the same. We all come to Jesus the same way, in humble faith and repentance. But we're unique in this category of how we come at life, how we sin. Okay? The, and the passage that we just tell, read tells us that there are simple sinners. We'll unwrap that in a second. Eh, maybe more than a second, but a little bit. There are foolish sinners. And then there are scoffers who are sinners. Herod was a scoffer. The wise men, oops, were simple sinners because everybody's a sinner. 
okay? And then there's this middle category. What's a scoffer? A scoffer is a person who is totally self-centered, who, who when they come at the world, decipher the world, look at the world, analyze the world, in how can I get what I want? And I don't care what I do to get it. And a scoffer is a person who is, can, be, can be quite aggressive. They hurt people. How do we deal with scoffers? If we were to do a study, which if I'm here long enough, we will, because this is really important. We will, we will look at the book of Proverbs and we'll get a better description of a simple, of a full, a simple center, a fool center, and a scoffer center, and how the passage tells us how to treat them. The book of Proverbs tells us what to do with them. But let's just fast forward and see how God responded to Herod, a scoffer, evil, self-centered, vicious, doesn't care what he does, hurts people without remorse at all, how God deals with it. What you deal, how you deal with a, with a scoffer is that you distance yourself from them. You separate from them. You don't try to talk to them. You don't try to reason with them. You just get away from them. This King Herod guy is killing little babies, young boys. What did God do relative to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? He told them to get out of Dodge, get out of town, distance yourself from him. And they didn't come back until he died. And when they came back, his son was in charge, and they went, even went to a different place. Keep a distance from them. And one of the things that the Magi did, they funded the time in Egypt. How's a working stiff like Joseph going to pick up his family in the middle of the night and go to a different country and live? Oh, wait a minute. We got a whole bunch of money in the, money in the bank now. We got all this frankincense, gold, and myrrh. We can do what we want to. And they lived off of that money while they were in Egypt. God get, provided their need before they knew they even needed it. That's the kind of God we have, isn't it? Incredible. But they distanced themselves. Now, you have anybody in your life like that? Know anybody like that? Some of you have uh, spouses that are like this. We call them wife abusers or husband abusers. And what do you do with them? You get a protection from abuse. You get the courts involved. You divorce them. You, you get away from them. You minimize the impact that they have. Somebody like this at work, what happens to a person like this at work? Somebody that just blows people away, doesn't care about anything but themselves. They get fired. And then the HR people come in and make it stick. 
They go to court and they go to lawsuits, but you've got to take care of them. So this, this is where you get law, lawyers and policemen involved to protect yourself from them. For years, I was part of a small social agency in the town that we lived, and I, I served on this. Uh, it was a halfway house, uh, and I was on the board. And one of the gentlemen on the board with me uh, shared with me the fact that that he had, he had found out that both of his children were drug addicts. And the hardest thing that he had to deal with was he could not believe his children. Whenever they talked to him, he understood they are lying somehow, and he could not trust them. They would steal anything they could to fuel their habit. And so if you know of that situation, you know what has to happen. You have to put locks on the door. You, have to, you, you, you do some pretty dra- dramatic things to distance yourself from the impact of the scoffer. Now, in the secular world, that's understandable. It's called standing up for yourself. It's calling self-protection. But for those of us who claim to be Christ followers, that's not why we do it. We do it because we love them, and we're not going to let them sin against us without a fight. And so we distance ourselves from them so that they can't sin. That's one of the ways we show that we love them. So you, you, maybe you've got a, an Uncle Mike, okay? And he's just a nasty, domineering, critical kind of a guy. And, and, he, and when he talks to you, he just rants and raves, and he badmouths the rest of the family, and, and, and you, you know what he's like. And, you, and you've tried to get him to stop. See, talking to a scoffer does not work. So what do you do? You're on the phone with him, and he starts to sit and say, Uncle Mike, we've had this conversation before. If you can't talk to me in a civil, reasonable way, our conversation is over. You don't go spend the night at Uncle Mike's house, even though he has a condo in the Rockies. Okay? Right. You, you don't. You, if, you, if, if, there, if you're at a function and Uncle Mike is there, you make sure that you can leave anytime you want. You drive yourself. You know where the door is. Because if he, if he starts his damaging behavior, you distance yourself from him. Okay? That's what God did when it came to Herod, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Now, we're going to take the next few minutes, and we're going to look at the wise men and see how they acted, and we're going to get a good description about the simple sinner. See, the wise men were sinners. We're all sinners. Okay? We're not going to talk a lot about foolish. We're going to do a little contrasting, but we're not going to do this. Okay. Now, first, well, let's just real do, quick do this real quick. If, if a f- person is a foolish person, when you talk to them, it makes no difference. You know people that, that you, you, maybe they're at work, maybe they're in your family, and you say, do you realize what's going on? When you do this, this happens, and, 
and when when you say that that way, this happens, and and uh, and, and you just try and you just explain it to them. When you do that to a simple person, they get it, and they will try to change. By the grace of God, they'll try to change. A foolish person, it makes no difference. You just you can't talk to them. You have to come at them differently, and that's a, again that's a whole different topic, uh, a whole different study. Uh, and again, hopefully we'll get to that eventually. But we're going to see from the example of the wise men what it looks like to be a person who is moving toward wisdom. Okay? That's what we're going to do. And we've got five things. We're going to look at five things real quick. All right? Uh, the first is uh, that thinking people allow... F- for and take notice of different phenomena. They're paying attention to the world around them. Proverbs 24, 32, Then I saw and I considered it, I looked and I received instruction. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Pay attention to how people respond when you talk. Oh, by the way, if you're sitting there this morning... And you're thinking, oh, man, I wish my husband were here. Or I wish Uncle Mike was here. Okay? Stop it. Okay? They aren't. Okay? Maybe they are, but don't be, don't be punching out their ribs. Okay? All right. Here's what I invite you to do. Ask the Spirit of God to speak to you. Because... All of us are here, all of us have been here, and most of us have been here. Now, what our goal is, what we're hoping for, what we strive for, is that if we're here, we're here for a very short time, boom, boom, boom. i got to tell you, I've had some thoughts about people that's here. wonder if I could hire Guido to take care of them. Lived in an Italian town for 30 years, okay? And we all know who Guido is. Uh, but uh, uh, that, that's, th- that's thinking like this. this. This is that rare occasion early on in my marriage where I was a, I was a jerk, okay? And my wife's sitting over, over there, and she'll, she'll I'm just, no amens. Uh, and, uh, but there were times where we, we were button heads, and I didn't like it, and I wanted to stop. I wanted just to go on with life, and I thought I was right. And if, if you know, clearly, if everybody would just do what I thought, th- do what I think, and do it the way I think, and when I think it, the world would be a much better place, right? Uh, but I had some pretty nasty thoughts over here. They'll stay there, okay? I've been here more than I want to admit. I'm just hard-headed. I'm stubborn. I'm self-sufficient, self-righteous. So this is for all of us. Okay, this, this is, a, I'm preaching to myself here, all right? So, the first thing that they, is they pay attention to the world around them, okay? Proverbs 28, 26 says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. And there's benefit to it, to listening and paying attention to what's around. Foolish people, on the other hand, they resist a, a refuse instruction, Proverbs 29, 3. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. You're wasting your time. They are not interested in anybody giving them instruction. 
They know how to do it. That's a fool. Okay? The wise men weren't that way. They paid attention to the star. They paid attention to the star. There's something new. Let's, let's, go, let's go find out what that's all about. Let's study that. Let's do the right thing. Number two, thinking people ask questions. Proverbs 18, 17, the one who states his case first seems right until others come and examine him. In other words, they're, they're quick to talk. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. What did the wise men do? How did they demonstrate this? They stopped and talked to Herod, right? They asked questions. Foolish people speak with little restraint. They just talk. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. You ever been around a person that just insists to make sure you know what they think? They need to enlighten you? And, and, and it's hard to get them to be quiet? That person is demonstrating the characteristics of a fool, not a person who is moving toward wisdom. Not a simple person, as Proverbs says. So, thinking people allow for and take notice of phenomena, foolish people resist and refuse instruction. Thinking people ask questions, foolish people speak with little restraint. Thinking people listen to God, Proverbs 10.8, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. The wise men were spoken to in a dream, and they paid attention. They were, they were listening to God, okay? Foolish people trust their own judgment. Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. How do you listen to God? And please understand, God speaks to us today without a doubt. He uses primarily his word, circumstances, Sometimes we have that still, quiet voice in our head. First uh, Samuel 3.9, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You've got to want to hear from God. Be still. We're told in Exodus 14, 13 and 14, don't step on God's conversational toes. Don't be so quick to tell God what he needs to do and how to do it. Listen to him. Allow his word to speak to you in unique ways. God will never contradict himself, James 1, 17. The father of the heavenly lights who does not change like sifting shadows. God, God will never contradict his word. And then be patient. Psalm 41, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. God is not on our timeline. So thinking people listen to God. Foolish people trust their own judgment. The wise men paid attention to the dream. The fourth thing is thinking people adjust their behavior. Proverbs 27, 12. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. What did the wise men do when they got the information from God? They went home a different way. They changed their plan. They adjusted their thing. But the foolish person, foolish people keep acting like they have always, always have. 
That's when you tell somebody, do you know that when you talk to your wife with that tone of voice, she doesn't hear you? She is just wounded? Yeah, but I'm the husband, and she's supposed to submit to me. That's Bible. And she just better get used to how I talk, because that's the way I talk. That's who I am. Don't ask me to change now. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, that's good, because you're not a dog, okay? And you can learn new tricks, okay? You can change. But a foolish person says, no, I don't change. I don't need to change. It's the way I am, you know? No, come on. Uh, thinking people adjust their behavior. Foolish people keep on acting the way they always have. And then thinking people are part of the solution. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. The, the wise men were part of the solution. They worshiped Jesus, and then they gave their gifts, and God used the giving of their gifts to, to protect Jesus, Mary, and Joseph from the horrific work of the scoffer Herod. These guys were part of the solution. What does a uh, foolish person? Foolish people are part of the problem. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Foolish people conduct themselves as if they are the only ones who know what to do. And they're committed to making sure you know what they think. They're, they're not team players. They're, they just contribute to the chaos. Thinking people, on the other hand, people moving toward biblical wisdom are individuals who God uses to be part of the solution. So thinking people, and here's, here's the, the bottom line, I suppose, if you want to use that terminology, is that my prayer is that each of us, me, you, want to become wise. We want to demonstrate wisdom in our day-to-day real-life living. Whether it is at church, Berean Baptist, how we conduct ourselves in business meetings and all that kind of stuff, or whether it's at home, how we relate to our children and our, and our spouses and our grandchildren and whatever that may be, wherever we are, at work, in the classroom if you're a student. We want to be people who are wise. So thinking people allow for and take notice of different phenomena. Pay attention to what's going on. Thinking people ask questions. Don't assume that you know all the answers. Thinking people listen to God. And primarily, that's through His Word. Thinking people adjust their behavior. And thinking people become part of the solution. That's what the wise men demonstrate for us. We have a lot to learn from the wise men, other than the fact that you know, they were there and brought frankincense and myrrh and gold and all that. 
If you're here this morning, and then your thought process is, you know, I got some scoffers in my life. Or maybe you say, you know, I can be, I can be a scoffer. I, I can be mean. I can be vindictive. One of the things to do is, if you, if you want to get a little sense of where you are on here, stop, turn around, and look at the people that you leave in your wake. Are they glad you're gone? Don't let the door hit you on the rump when you go out. Oh, man. I'm so glad Uncle Mike died. You understand what I'm saying? Or are they people who, who, who enjoy you, who, who want you in their lives, who value your input? Turn around and look at the people behind you. That's one of the ways. But if you're here this morning and you, you found that, that you think, you know, I think I might have some scoffers in my life, and, and you need to deal with that, we'll, we'll help you. We'll walk with you. We'll do whatever it takes to, to, to help you make those really hard decisions. And we'll do our best to be biblical and we'll coach you in that, but we'll stand with you. If you need to distance yourself, we're with you. Let us know. If you find you're a, a foolish person and, you, and you'd like to, to, to be different, we can help you with that too. We, we, we want everybody to move over here. We want, we, want us, we want to be a group of people who are wise, who God will use. And God uses simple people. Because we're all sinners. But as we surrender to Him and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to transform us into the image of Christ, we become wise, and we, God uses us to bless people. God uses us to bring honor and glory to himself. If we can encourage you, pray for you, whatever you need, and I don't know what you need, but the Holy Spirit does. Let us know. That's why we're here. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of the wise men. Thank you, Father, that you protected Jesus. And he was able to complete his mission to live, die, be buried, and rise from the dead. Raise, be raised from the dead for our sake. Lord, help us to be aware of our behaviors, to acknowledge our thought processes, and help us be, to be open, Lord, to your spirit convicting us, encouraging us, nudging us, calling us to be wise. And we will be grateful, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, there's only one service, by the way. Okay.